Welcome back to the Maddie James Podcast. I'm really looking forward to this episode because it's my first interview. I've been doing this podcast for a while now, and I've always just answered your questions, which I love to do, but I'm really excited because today my very first interview is with Morgan Debon of Blavity. You guys, she's awesome, amazing. I'm going to be speaking at Summit 21 here in Atlanta in the next couple of weeks, and so the timing couldn't be more perfect. Morgan really breaks down value if you want to work with corporate brands and working smarter. And I just really learned so much from her, including what the next book I should read be. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did. I think you'll get a lot from it. It definitely poured into me. So without further ado, here's my interview with Morgan. Thank you so much, Morgan, for being a part of today's show. I'm so excited. Um, I mentioned to you earlier, you're my first interview, but I think it's such a great fit because I've just looked up to you and what Blavity has done for not only content, but for our community in general. So thanks so much for being a part. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be the first. So... I, I'm familiar with you. I think most people, unless they live under a rock and they're not online often, are not familiar with you. But tell us, you know, about Blavity. I know you started it in 2014, if I'm not mistaken, but tell everyone essentially what it's become and all the different, you know, kind of entities under it. Yeah, so Blavity is a media company and platform focused on the Black community. And our vision, our mission is that all Black people are happy. So we create mm-hmm. content, experiences, um, that try to push that vision forward and that culture forward. So we started the company um, really with um, news and Blavity, and then we created 2190, um, which has Summit 21 as its, as its kind of full experience every year in Atlanta. We have Afrotech um, as a, a, a venture-backed startup and a founder that went out to raise millions of dollars in a world that says that we can't do it. I really wanted to make sure that we had a space um, for entrepreneurs and founders. And so that's an annual conference and it's in Oakland this year. And, um, then we also acquired two companies in the last three years, uh, Travel Noir, fan favorite, one of the the fastest growing travel brands in the world founded by Zim. Um, and she's, she's a fantastic founder. Um, and we're really excited that we were able to acquire that brand last, I know, two years ago at this point. And then Shadow and Act, which is Hollywood and Entertainment. So those are my five, my five babies. Uh, <laughs> they're really toddlers at this point. I was gonna say they're big babies. I was gonna say yeah. they're they're walking and talking on their own now. They're the things are breaking some stuff. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely wandering around the world. That is so cool. So I want to kind of talk about specifically 2190 and kind of how Summit 21 came to be. I know it originated as Empower Her, but what did, what made you kind of pivot and turn it into Summit 21 and, and what it is now? Yeah, so to go back a little bit to so Blavity, when I first started, we really wanted it to be a, a gender neutral brand that focused on education, empowerment, knowledge, information, and truth for our community. And as we were building it and and as the community started to grow really fast, it became apparent that Black women, as with all things, are the most loyal and um, the community that we really also wanted to make sure that we served uniquely. And Mm. so to do that and still respect the Blavity brand and respect the needs that are unique to Black women, I wanted to create a second brand um, as opposed to trying to make Blavity serve everything. Mm-hmm. So um, so 
empower her and actually it was Blavity Lifestyle. So shout out to anyone who used to follow Blavity Lifestyle. Yeah. I did. So that was the original spinoff. Um, and so Empower Her was the first conference, the first event we ever did. It was like 300 50 people in New York. I was so basic, y'all. I thought that New York would be a great place to start a conference. That's the most expensive <laughs> market ever. Don't do it. Um, I didn't know any better. So had it there. We had Elaine. We had um, Travelisa Terry. Terry Travelisa. We had so many dope people who are now like, you know, huge. This is four years ago. Um, and it was just a really beautiful moment. And that was also the first way that we got sponsors because monetizing Blavity. A lot of people ask me, how does Blavity make money? I know I'm, I'm going to diverge quickly from no, the question. No, fine. We make money in, a, in a three different ways. Display advertising, mm-hmm. of course, just like most digital media brands, um, and consumer revenue, which is our ticket sales, mm-hmm. and any e-commerce that we do, digital products, downloads, things of that nature. And then the last bucket is, is branded. Right. And so that's enterprise, that's McDonald's, Toyota, like really awesome partners that we have. And um, but they didn't want to do digital with us in the beginning. They they really wanted to do these events. And as a tech founder, I was like, events? Yeah. Like <laughs> you're tech, you know? I know. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't scale. Like that's a lot of manual labor for like it's one and done. That don't make any sense. But that's what they were willing to pay for. And I'm, you know, I, I was like, okay, cool, that's what we'll do then. And, um, you know, then Empower Her became, it, it became obvious why we needed to have an event because mm-hmm. was, as Black women, we spend so much time on the internet, like alone, but mm-hmm. connecting with each other right. over Instagram, over Twitter, over Periscope, Vine, and building these relationships with other women in the, our minds. Right, <laughs> right. And we've never met each other. And so, and for our generation of women, there really isn't anything. And there certainly wasn't when I first started something that like, okay, every year we're going to this thing. And like my girls are here and we're going to support each other, whether I'm speaking or not speaking, I'm going, you know, I think Essence Fest is definitely an amazing opportunity and experience, but it's just for an older demo and a different type of of content. So, you know, I think people should go to both. but Ultimately, Summit 21 is designed to create a moment every year that we can all converge and come together and kick it and relax and like have some boss girl moments and learn. Yeah. Fun. And I love the description online, uh, you know, if you guys get the chance to, of course, go to Summit 21, but also check out 2190. I love that you guys describe it as, you know, Black girl, I think, bliss, beauty, and boss moves. And I think that is such a great, uh, I, I think that's such a great description, especially because, if I'm not mistaken, I think the tracks this year are leadership, entrepreneurship, and level up, Correct. Exactly. So what can people like expect this year and who is Summit 21 for? Do you have to be an influencer? Do you have to be an entrepreneur? Can you just be somebody who's at their corporate job and looking to just become better? Yeah. So um, each stage is designed to service different user personas and like different types of women. We really wanted to make sure that um, when we were designing the event, that it could be for someone at Spellman who is just figuring out what they want to do, all the way to someone who is a C-level executive at Johnson & Johnson, and then feel like they're being seen as well. Mm-hmm. So um, the level up stage is going to teach you just your skills for your personal development to level up. 
how to buy your first house, how to budget your coins, whether that's for your first check because you just graduated, or we have multiple finance, financial literacy like programs that are like, okay, I have a million dollars. What do I do? Right. right. And I've reached a whole nother level for my family, my generation. I don't know what to do now. Right. Uh, we've got panels for women who are C-level and want to be directors at Above in the Corporate Ladder. Great. There's some fantastic women that have done that. We've got JC from Sally Beauty. She's coming. She's dope. Um, last year we had, oh, we have Andrea from Hilton. She's dope. So we have really good people. And yeah. then um, the main stage is also just about like, us as women coming together, right? So we have Valerie Jarrett, Maxine Waters, Barbara Lee, um, Karuji, who has a really interesting story, Miss Tina, of course, who is the mother of everyone amazing in the world. And, um, and we just have a lot of really surprise moments. We've got poetry night on Friday night um, with Boapale. So it's just gonna be like a good vibe. And right. it's definitely a space for everyone. That's going to be really, really fun. I had so much fun last year. Um, it was um, my first time attending, and I, I, got, I had the privilege of speaking as well. And I think what Summit One tw- Summit Twenty One does really well is just the balance of different types of women, which I think really speaks on Blavity as a brand. Because I think one of the things that I've heard you say in the past is that you know Black people are not monolithic. Like we don't all think the same, we don't all look the same, we don't all believe in the same things, and we don't lead the same lives. Um, so. I, I think it's interesting that this is kind of like the first time like an event like this for black millennial women per se has really been done at this scale. Why do you think that is? Do you think brands don't know what to do with us? Or do you think like the approach is kind of just like, you know, when you get in a room with them, are they kind of just like question mark, question mark, question mark? Yeah, there's lots of questions. I mean, I think we've built up a lot of trust with people. Mm. Um, This is still one of our toughest sales. To be honest with you, like really? it takes people a couple of sales cycles for them to say, all right, we'll come to Summit 21. Right. Afro tech people get, um, even digital and videos people get now, social. Um, but for Summit 21, I think it's tough also because the competitors in the market, when you think about like BeautyCon, Moj does a fantastic job with BeautyCon and that's incredibly diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, Refiner 29's events do well and it's incredibly diverse. Um, Pop Sugar has an experience in New York. Mm-hmm diverse. So I think that a lot of brands think, oh, well, I can go to some of these other events that are three times as large as Summit 21 or even bigger and still get Black women there. Mm. And that that feeds their fuel. Um, and then I think some of the more sophisticated brands over time realize actually that doesn't work because there's a different comfort level that Black women have when they're around each other. There's a difference. Um, when I'm interacting with your brand and your product and I see, wow, you're really here, you're out here for Black girls, mm-hmm. like, I ride for you. Right. <laughs> you know? right. right. That's different. So I think that people are coming around to it. There's just markets ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, as long as women continue to show up, you know, we can pitch, we'll pitch it and it'll work. Over right, time. right. And I know last year they were saying it was such an amazing turnout. How many people are typically at Summit 21? Last year was around 1,000, I believe, maybe 1,200. This year, I think it's going to be bigger, like 1,500, maybe bigger, maybe 3,000. You know, Black girls, we be late buying tickets. So (laughs) I need people (laughs) 
<laughs> buy your tickets, guys. Buy your tickets. <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah, no, it was an incredible, like, you know, me and my sister went last year and we walked in. And it's funny because we're really blessed. We we do this full time. You know, she's also an entrepreneur. There was something so um, special, comforting, like you said, and, and allowed us to engage in a way that we probably just have our guard up at other places because everyone looked like us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everyone in the room looked like us. So even if our stories were different, there was just a relation there that just aren't in other places. And I love that while big brands, like these big major brands showed up for us as well. So kudos to you and your team for doing that because it, it was really just such a treat to be a part of it. So you <laughs> you have these five babies, right? Uh, Shadow and Act and Blavity and, and 2190. So what does your typical day look like? Because you, you said earlier to me, you do uh, get eight hours of sleep, um, which is a treat, which is like the mega million. Like I am severely jealous and envious of that. But what does a typical day look like? Because I think you have women who are interested in running their own companies and, and, and working to a level to where they might be where you are one day. What does that look like for you? I'm pretty disciplined with my morning schedule, my morning routine. I wake up between 5.30 and 6 every day. And I spend the first 20, 30 minutes like just being still, mm. whether that's reading, um, just there with my thoughts and planning all or solving all the problems that my brain didn't solve while I was sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and then typically if I work out, I sleep in my workout clothes because that's like an extra motivation to just like, just go, you're already dressed. I like it. <laughs> and then um but assuming I, I work out cool I get I get ready for the office and I, I walk to work so um I'm in the office between 8 and eight thirty every morning and when I get here I spend the first couple of hours actually just with my direct report so I have a chief of staff I have an executive assistant I have a VP who reports to me that manages most of our brand brands um and so any problems or questions or things that we need to work through for them to have an efficient day. Like that's what we do in the morning together. So then they can go and flourish throughout the rest of the day um, or any, any hot button issues as well. If there's something that fired over the night and, you know, we need to make sure that it's handled. Um, and then my day is just kind of a smattering of, of meetings. Depends on the day. Like Thursdays is my event day. So I work on summit 21 and Afrotech. There's lots of team meetings for that. Um, Tuesdays is one-on-ones, right? So I kind of have my days themed Mm -hmm. so that I can be as helpful as possible. And then people also know how to interact with me um, throughout the week. So people know, like, we're going to talk about it tomorrow or like, they know what day to hit me up and I'll have it blocked on my calendar. Like, if you'd like to meet about tech, please schedule within this block. (laughs) I like it. So there's a clear expectation. There are no surprises. Surprises are inevitable anyway. So just kind of setting that clear expectation. I love it. That's really awesome. So if I'm not mistaken, you were 24 when you started Blavity? I was 24 when I started Blavity. I just had my birthday, so I'm 25, or 29. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 29 years old. And... So you're going to be the big 30 next year. What do you think? What do you think is that like one thing, you know, now that you wish you knew when you were 24, like you would sit your like 24 year old Morgan down, like, girl, you should know this before you, <laughs> before you get to get uh, Get an accountant earlier. <laughs> I, mean, I, look, 
I still get notices from the government being like, you miscalculated your 2015 taxes and we took your refund check from over here. And And I'm like, this is a mess. Like it is mortifying. And I have an accountant, but when you have your own business and you have multiple businesses and you're self-employed, like it's a lot like, because at one point Blavity was my bank account. So the first year and a half, everything was coming out of my bank account. Right. Because it was all the same. Yeah. You know, I didn't know about not commingling my funds. I didn't know these things. I was just making it work. Yeah, it didn't matter because we weren't anything. So who cares? So, um, you know, I, I definitely think I would have taken the organization of my finances. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really financially savvy. Like I've been investing since I was a little girl. You know, I've got multiple accounts, all this stuff. But I didn't take the organization of it mm-hmm. and taxes as seriously as I should have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, that's a good point too about you saying like when you were younger because I also read that too right like when you were younger you just already you always had that entrepreneurial thing right you were like selling if I'm not mistaken you made like your own fun dip and you were selling yeah. that and you you hit up you know what is like the big box stores and bought snacks because there were no vending machines yeah. do you think like entrepreneurship is one of those things that is just innately within you or do you think that people can learn to become an entrepreneur I think that um being a creative person is it was innately in me and um i like challenges and i like solving problems and mm-hmm. i was always somebody who liked the process of starting up um so if you look at my business it's very much a reflection of me mm-hmm. like we're not just one company it's really like six or seven companies in one when you pull out the events it's its own company right. and the brands and the digital products and all this stuff. We're kind of an agency. We create create content for brands, right? And so I am. I've made my little mini brain utopia in real life. Yeah. And um, so yeah, I think it was inevitable at this point, <laughs> at some point, that I was going to create um, this world for myself and and for people around me because I was just too stubborn. Like, I was like, but why not, mom? Like, why? <laughs> What's that? It's like, there's no vending machine, so clearly I'm going to sell this bag of chips. Yeah, there's no rule in the student handbook that says I can't sell <laughs> chips. So either they need to create a rule. Right. Or I'm selling these chips. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Like, for real, like, that's how my brain works. Oh, I love it. That's so funny. I, I love how... And it's funny, too, because that's kind of like being kind of like your overwhelming theme, right? Where it's like... You started Blavity, really did not want to get funded, and you really kind of bootstrapped. Why was that so important for you to do in the beginning? Yeah, a couple of things. Like, one, we were, I mean, you look at the numbers for venture funding for women, you know, it's less than 1% of venture funding goes to women, and even even less than that, of course, to women of color and Black women specifically. So if you look at the numbers, you know, I'm an idealist, but I also live in the reality. So I knew that if we got funding at some point, it'd be a potential fluke. Mm. And like that may be the last round I ever get. Mm. So I can't build a business dependent on venture funding. If it happens, fantastic. But I'm a woman of optionality and opportunity. I want to go after a world in which every opportunity is still open to me. So if I build a business that's not dependent on venture funding because it's a strong business, then if I want venture funding, will be qualified for it because Mm -hmm. it's a business. If you build a business just for venture funding, you may not be a strong business Mm -hmm. because you only do the things that 
Silicon Valley rewards, which is a very different type of world. And it works for, for going for the gold, for going to be a multi-billion dollar company. But it doesn't always work if you're okay being a $75 million company or a $150 million company. So um, it was important to me that Blavity was strong enough to be on its own. Mm -hmm. And in the moments when we took venture funding, it was very much tied to specific things that we wanted to do that did not require venture funding to sustain those things. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, acquisitions, right? Or... um, expanding the conferences business, right? Because mm-hmm. once Appletech is scaled up or Summit 21 scaled up, it exists. It exists mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. and the world, the world will support it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like I, I think it's so important when people are building businesses and they're not quite sure about venture funding, build the best business possible. Get cash flow. <laughs> like right. do fundamentals of business and then your opportunities will continue to, to be there and open up. Right, right. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think for me, we really like... As an influencer, you know, I talk to brands pretty much on a weekly basis, you know, <laughs> you know, some weeks it's daily. And I think the question I get all the time is, well, how do you pitch a brand? What do you say to a brand? How do I get a brand to notice me? I, I, I'm always interested to know from somebody like yourself, from like a business side, um, I, I always say the number one thing is value. Like, so if there's no value, you don't understand the value you want, you don't understand the value you offer, you can't do that. But what do you think the differences are for you when you are approaching brands or brands approaching you from like a content side, maybe for like Blavity versus like a side for Summit 21 or even like, um, or even like video, right? Because I think even video is its own beast. And I've noticed definitely within the last six months, I've been watching more of the video content on 2190s like Instagram. So what's like your approach for partnering up with brands with, with each kind of facet of your business? Yeah, so I think, to your point, the first thing for anyone trying to work with corporate brands is to understand what unique value you have over other people. So for you, it's authenticity, it's a highly engaged audience, it's the fact that you're going to be able to create multiple sets of content for that brand at a reasonable price point because you don't have all this overhead that you have to upcharge for. They get to work directly with you and maybe an assistant. It's it's done, right? The benefit of working with a Blavity or 2190 is, okay, you want to do a more complicated campaign where Mm -hmm. we are working with three to five influencers. We're running display advertisements across five websites for millions of impressions. We are doing two or three newsletter campaigns and tracking opens and affiliate links through that. Mm -hmm. And you have video that that you've filmed somewhere else that you want to get more eyeballs on. And so you want that and you want positioning content through editorial. You want to do a big thing because you're trying to shift people's opinions for a campaign, right? So there's only a few groups of people that can do that. People hire agencies, right? And then those agencies hire us or they might work with us directly because we're kind of a mini micro agency depending Mm -hmm. on what you need. Um, and so the, the thing I always ask people, cause I get that question a lot. is like, how do you have so many brands and sponsors who have to build something that they can't get anywhere else? Like you can't get Afrotech anywhere else. Literally nowhere else. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> you know, and you have to make it so dope that they look silly for not being there. If you really care about black women of this age demo and you really care, you would be at Summit 21. Right. Right. Okay. Product at a minimum. 
<laughs> like, right. Right. Like you're at least in the swag bag at the minimum. You know, you sent some free stuff over. That's a really good point. I think because I think a lot of times people are so focused on what they can get, but they're not really focused on what they're offering. You know what I mean? Um, you know, we talked about, uh, like I said, uh, I've been a fan of yours for, for a while, but my sister got to meet you recently uh, at another event and stuff like that. So I'm kind of interested, like, who's inspiring you on a day-to-day basis? You know what I mean? Who are you looking at? Like, man, I'm, I'm really inspired. Maybe I'm completely different than her, but she's really inspired me. There are so many women I'm inspired by. Like, I, I have different categories of, like, challenges or areas of opportunity and growth for myself. Um, so on the, one of the things that I try to practice and remind myself is to continue to be fearless. It's kind of easy to be fearless when no one's watching. It's really difficult to be fearless when a lot of people are, or at least my definition of a lot of people, you know? And so, um, the women that I look at that are, I think are pretty fearless when people are watching is Lovey. You know, she's gotten a lot of public criticism and she still continues to be herself and put herself out there despite the criticism that people point her way. Um, I think that, uh, Ava DuVernay is also someone who's continued to be fearless and, um, and unapologetic. And, and then also in terms of, um, unapologetic about being able to have multiple businesses at once is something that's really important to me. I think when I first launched Amrose Essentials, my skincare line, and we were working on lifestyle products for women of color and like luxury products. Someone was like, but why? Like, Blavity's doing so well. And I'm like, but why are you saying I can't or I shouldn't? Like, what What are you actually trying to say? Like, so there's lots of people who have multiple businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that oftentimes we don't even know them because they're right. behind the scenes. Right. Um, so there's some people that, that do that. I mean, even Jack Dorsey is probably the most visible. Elon Musk is the most visible. They're not doing so well right now. So they're just, <laughs> but I mean, personally, their wealth is quite fine, but their companies are, you know, right. Often, um, and then I think Oprah is also a great example of someone for her generation, always, and she just continues to think about um, innovating and not just existing off of her laurels of television. Mm-hmm. You know, she continues to build, and I, I think that's beautiful to see. Right, right, yeah, I like that a lot, um, and I think that's what it is, right? It's it's innovation, which I think you you and your company do really well, and just always. When you guys look at trends, do you are, are you intentionally like we're going to go the opposite way? We're going to follow it, or are your is your focus just innovation and value? Yes, yeah, so it's kind of a blue ocean strategy. So for anyone listening, I recommend reading that book um, about blue ocean. And um, basically, we go where people aren't, as opposed to trying to go where people are. So I didn't launch with a hip hop blog. I didn't launch with a beauty and hair website for Black women. You know, we went for health and wellness and um, entrepreneurship for 2190. That wasn't something that was being done at the time. Afrotech, a, a demographic that wasn't being done at the time. Um, you know, Afropunk is a good example of a brand that does this, does this well. And I think for me, it makes it easier to be creative and innovative and to fail when no one else is, is watching or no one else is, is there in that space. Um, 
So Blavity Politics is one that we launched more, more recently that kind of made it out of our own internal innovation cycle that's now public. And, you know, there's lots of stuff we try that doesn't make it. <laughs> and um, Blavity Politics is one where it's like, okay, we're, we're moving into an election year. And where should Black people go to find out what's happening? Like, where should we go for our own points of view, our own memes, our own, like, analysis from correspondents and thought leaders? Huh. There is no place. That seems like a missed opportunity and something that is in our core competency to build and to create, and we can dominate this, and we can leverage our relationships with other people, politicians, NGOs, our clients, to help make this actually a thing that makes a difference during an election season. Wow. Like, let's go. Like, let's do that. So. That's kind of how I evaluated and how the team thinks about these things. Nice. Yeah. And then you were mentioning that you have a kind of like this small business advisory, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that, you know, just kind of just help people kind of figure it out. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, I get a lot of DMs and questions about how I've gotten here and how I do what I do in terms of scaling the business, not just launching it. And so I was advising a few startups and small businesses um, in my free time. And I realized that I actually was being a broken record and I wasn't following my own advice. Mm. I was saying the same thing over and over. I have a pretty like strict set of guidelines and rules that I use and I, for all my businesses and when I started Blavity. And so I was sharing those with people and they're like, oh, well, can you share them like blog posts or like write it down and send it to me? And I'm like, Ah, ha. <laughs> I'm not even sipping my own sauce. Like I'm best friends with Danielle Leslie and Mandela. And, you know, I see them making these courses. I need to make sure I'm documenting the process on how you scale a company, how you scale a business. And I think there's enough content out there for launching Mm-hmm. and how you get your ideas out there. So mm-hmm. my program is actually focused on after you've launched your company and you already have $5,000, $10,000, $15,000 in revenue coming in per month, how do you triple it? How do you hire your first two, three team members? How do you build like the process for reporting and actually managing that? How do you delegate? How do you have a mindset as a CEO, not just someone who's launched an idea and you're kind of, no, we're not doing that. Like I need people to now build things at scale. I think a lot of times in our community, we get overwhelmed with, okay, well, I have this restaurant. Okay, but you really wanted three restaurants. You wanted five. You wanted 10. Right. That. (laughs) So um, the Work Smart program is um, starting off is I did group coaching and um, I'll be launching a program probably in a couple of weeks that is focused on um, kind of self-guided. And then I also have a free newsletter called Work Smart. So that goes out every week. That's exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, man, because I think, you know, that's really tough, right? Like you can figure out how to get like, you know, low five figures every month, but it's the scaling to that, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 a month, 80, 90, you know, where you're like, okay, this is different. <laughs> He's yeah. got to operate in a different way. You do. And I think people, it's lonely too, because oftentimes mm-hmm. you're sitting and you're doing it for yourself and it's not your family members, it's not your friends who can give you coaching on this other level. Mm-hmm. You can do all you want, but like, you really need someone to sit there with you. You really right. need a group of people who are also doing this. Um, and I was, I was grateful and blessed to have that when I started Blavity. I have friends that are two, three years ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, when do I actually hire the expensive law firm? Right, like, right, right. I know we just kind of legal zoom it, but like, when do I get the big boss? Right, right. You know, like, how? 
like now is when you get a big boss. And that was one of the best decisions I ever made. Nobody would have told me, if you would have asked me four years ago, does it make sense, sense to spend $800 on a lawyer per hour? I'd be like, hell no. Right. That, that man has saved me so much money. Yep. <laughs> right. Absolutely worth it. <laughs> Absolutely worth it. But you need people around you right. to help guide you through decisions and those choices because, or else you're going to just default to what you're comfortable with. Right. Right. No, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That really, that really just helped me just now because that's kind of where I'm at, right. Where it's like, okay, you figured out how to make five figures monthly working with brands and stuff like that. What does that look like quadrupled or, you know what I mean? Or even five times that. And what else do you want to turn it into? Right. It doesn't just have to be this one thing. If you want to do events, you can do that. If you want to do products, you know what I mean? Uh, And how do you evaluate those system decisions? Like, what is your criteria for deciding, okay, I'm going to do a podcast, or I'm going to do an event, or I'm going to do, I'm actually going to go TV, and or I'm going to get an agent, or I'm going to get a manager. And the, all of these decisions, people just make alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. You don't have to, and yeah. there's a better way. <laughs> love that. No, I, and I love that it's called Work Smarter, because it, it literally is like, you're going to have to if, you're, if you want to level up. Like, it's necessary. I love it. Well, I think for me, my, my, my mantra for myself, you know, because I do make a lot of those decisions by myself, it's how do I slay my day? And for me, I think slay was already one of those, like, trendy words and stuff like that. But then I also think about just, like, how do you just, like, take something you don't really want to do, but you know you must, and just, like, kill it, you know? Um, what do you think those, like, three things that you have to do every day? I love that you said you were so diligent and disciplined plan when it came to your morning routine. But I think aside from that, what are like the two or three other things you need to get done during the day to make sure like, okay, today was conquered. We slayed it. We can keep it. I try to respond to every internal email that I Mm -hmm. get from someone in the company. External, you get what you get. But internal, if it's somebody who works here, works for me, I try to respond within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really hard to do that on some days. Um, even if it's like Roger that or like thank you or like good work or like <laughs> something, just so that people continue to see seen be seen mm. um, as a leadership quality. Like I think it's important that people know, no matter how big we get, like I am present and I'm paying mm. attention and I see their work. Um, and so that's one thing I try to do. And if I if I don't do that, like I start to feel a little weird. Right. Um, the other thing that I always try to do on a logistical thing is just move. Like sometimes I find myself sitting at my desk all day right. and I look at my little heart app and it's like, you walked 1000 steps today. <laughs> like that's not going to for me. You know, like that's not going to be a sustainable lifestyle. Um, so I try to get up and move. I walk to work if I can. And I, you know, I try to move throughout the day, just even pacing on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, And then the last thing is I always try to do some sort of personal touch with somebody in my life, you know, whether that's my family, my girlfriends, whether that's send somebody an article, like I try to do something that is not business related, some Mm -hmm. sort of action um, that that shows other people that I care, that I'm thinking of them. And it also reminds me to be connected Mm -hmm. um, and to have perspective on like Blavity is great, but I am not Blavity. Like Mm -hmm. I am me. And Blavity is part of my life and I, it is important to me, but if it is gone tomorrow, 
I have other things, mm-hmm. right? It is not my identity. So um, it's important. I think there was a time when that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to be really intentional about making sure that um, I treat Blavity. It, it's important, but it is a job, you know? And, and the reason why that's important is because when shit hits the fan, if you're so tied to it, it can mess up your whole life. It can right. mess up your whole personal life. Right. You know, you could be totally paralyzed if something goes bad, a deal goes bad, you say get no from an investor. And that's just not a safe space to be in. So it's been, it's been important to me to be able to have my own identity um, and remind myself on a regular basis, a daily basis that, you know, I have other responsibilities and connections and and humanity outside of this company. I love that. I I think that is so huge for everyone to hear because I think that in this, in this climate now, we're all like, Ooh, you know, I'm insert my title. And it's like, no, that's what you do, but that's not your identity. That is, yeah, that is huge. That's awesome. This really served me important to me. I can't thank you enough for just taking the time out. I know you are a busy lady. Um, where can everybody find you online, um, your site, social media, where, where should people find you? I am at Morgan Devon everywhere on the internet. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, I really encourage people to sign up for the newsletter if they have a business that they're trying to grow. Like, I would love to get to know you better and hopefully see everybody at Summit 21. Yeah, that'll be great. And I'll make sure that I include all the links within the description box so everybody can see it and, and sign up. Because if you are not at Summit 21, if you have ever followed me and asked me where to go, as if you're an influencer, especially a Black woman who's an influencer, an entrepreneur, you need to be at Summit 21. Morgan, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Okay, you guys, that does it for this episode of the Maddie James podcast. Let me know if you guys enjoyed this interview and if you guys are interested in me doing more interviews and in fact, who you guys would like me to interview and talk to next. If you haven't already, please follow me over at the Maddie James on Instagram. I post and do Instagram stories pretty regularly, and I would love to chit chat with you. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you have an extra 60 to 90 seconds, please rate and review this podcast so new listeners can find it. All right, you guys, this was great. Make sure you David your Goliath and most importantly, slay your day. I'll talk to you guys next time on the Maddie James podcast.